Riviera Radio Business News. Morning, Hank. Good morning. How are you this morning? Very well, thank you. Nice to be back with you. It's been a little while of a, a break between us. You are off and I've been travelling for work delivering our 2023 global outlook. So it's all been uh, it's all been a little bit dishevelled, but nice to be back with you on the station. Well, it's lovely to have you back. Uh, moving straight on the markets, the strong in November. Yeah, on the positive side, equity market still finished in the green last week despite some weakness on Friday as risk appetite continues to be boosted by a moderation in eurozone inflation, a winding down of COVID restrictions in China and a downshift signal from the Federal Reserve. Last week's modest gains capped a strong performance for equity markets during the course of November. That was on hopes of peak inflation is now behind us. The end of the hiking cycle is coming into view and policymakers can indeed orchestrate a soft record economic landing. Though concerns over aggressive wage inflation, the deteriorating economic backdrop and a weakening in terms of earnings expectations continues to limit gains. In Europe, the stock 600 surged 6.8% last month, generating the biggest monthly gain since July. In fact, European stocks are now up 15% since the September lows, delivered back-to-back positive monthly returns for the first time since August 2021. In the US, the S&P 500 was up 5.4% in November, its third straight month of gains, its longest winning streak since August last year. Hopes of reopening in China result in a strong rebound in Asian equities. The MSCI Asia Pacific Index surged 15% in November, its biggest monthly jump since 1998. Though the benchmark index is still down, around about 19% compared to the 15% decline on the S&P 500. And there's a continued focus on interest rates. Yeah, the Fed's policy path continues to be one of the biggest drivers of sentiment. Speaking at the Brookings Institute last week, Jerome Powell appeared to confirm market expectations that the US central bank will slow the pace on in interest rate hikes to uh, 50 basis points at the December 14th meeting compared to the string of 75 basis point increases delivered at the previous four meetings. Although the Fed chair continues to caution that monetary policy will likely to stay restrictive for some time, perhaps in an effort to push back on market expectations of rate cuts to come as early as the fourth quarter of next year. The FOMC is still seeking, I think, further tangible evidence that inflation is actually declining and labour markets are rebalancing. Whilst inflation has been moderating, US labour market data out last week suggests policymakers will need some convincing that a significant softening is indeed taking place. That's after the US economy created more jobs and forecasts and wage growth surge. Employers added 263,000 jobs in November. Consensus was around 200,000. October's figures were also revised higher up to 284,000. The real surprise I think came in the wage component. Average hourly earnings rose twice as much as forecast, up six tenths of one percent in November alone. That's the biggest increase that we've seen since January and up 5.1 percent from a year earlier. I think whilst Friday's report was stronger than expected as the US economy continues to weaken through the course of next year. We would expect payroll growth to slow, unemployment rates to rise and wage growth to soften. Actually, we've got US unemployment at 4.9% the end of next year. But following Powell's speech, markets increased the probability of a step down to 50 basis points to 77% compared to 65% before his remarks. And China reopening. 
Yeah, meanwhile, China's pursuit of zero COVID and the impact on both the domestic economy and global supply chain continues to be a major focus for investors and hopes that that reopening is playing out will be seen as good news. What we do know is, of course, COVID cases have surged in the world's second largest economy over the course of the past few weeks. They've now surpassed the levels reported in the second quarter. Remember, that resulted in the Shanghai lockdown. On Monday last week, for example, the number of daily cases hit a new record surpassing the 40,000 level for the first time. The social impact of China's tight restrictions is starting to come to the fore. We've seen those protests, of course, breaking out in a number of cities over the course of the past few weeks. Officials finally appear to be bowing to that social unrest by promising to ease mass testing regimes, allow periods of quarantine to be completed at home, also taking action to boost vaccination rates for the elderly. Economic data, meanwhile, I think continues to deteriorate, certainly those forward-looking indicators. If you look at the Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index, for example, you saw significant weakness coming through there, and uh, also the services activity and construction are in um, contraction territory as well. So I think a mixture of those social uh, displays of unrest and the weakening economic data finally encouraging officials in China to ease back on some of those restrictions. And the foreign exchanges, please, Hank. Uh, all changed since we last spoke. Actually, pound against dollar looking stronger once again. Now back to 123. Euro dollar 105 and a half. Going to get a mighty one euro and 16 cents for your British pound this morning. Have you been to Clapham Junction? Uh, I have been to Clapham Junction. It's been a long time since I've been there, but I, I have been through it on the train. I haven't been out in the region, I have to say. <laughs> it's the first time I popped back for my uh, dad's birthday on Saturday and uh, found myself at Clapham Junction after I got told to change there, uh, coming from Gatwick to, to North London. Uh, an amazing place. <laughs> I've never been to Clapham Junction. <laughs> I was quite impressed. There's <laughs> yeah, a lot going on there. There's a, a weird and wonderful characters enjoy that part of the world, so you probably <laughs> fit it in quite well. Well, I didn't see you at the Woolsley. I thought you'd have been there in Piccadilly where we had lunch. If I'd known there was an invitation (laughs) on the table, I would have been the first there. Very nice. Someone's having a good year. (laughs) And your favourite chocolate bar. That's what I'm asking. We've got the... Ooh, favourite chocolate. Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, my goodness. I tell you what, I had a piece of Milka caramel at the weekend that I really liked, actually, which was... uh, Wonderful, but if you had to ask, that uh, that there's a pistachio one that I get out of Switzerland that's nice. Oh, I that's a bit about fancy. No, come on, I'm talking. You know the things in the news agents in the UK. Oh, okay, news agents. Um, I would either be your fruit and nut, oh yeah, Cadbury's okay. classic, or I tell you what, I'm partial to a bounty. I could do a bounty actually. <laughs> yes. a bounty boy. Mm. Oh no, it was a Milky Bar mm. kid. I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, Hank Potts from Barclays. Join us tomorrow at the same time. Absolutely. Have a good day. You too, Hank Potts from Barclays. Barclays Private Bank has been in Monaco for 100 years. Since we opened our doors here in 1922, we have enabled our clients to invest in tomorrow and to influence it, drawing on experience, insights and ideas to help them create the world they want to make possible. And we're only just getting started. 100 years in Monaco, 100 years young.